In this episode of Savannah, Georgia, Anything But Ordinary. It was where they all came up right there from the river. They would come in and their room, have their fun, talk about who they're going to rob next, I suppose. I get the impression that locals would have walked past that building and said, I am not going in there. Hey, y'all, I'm Shannon. Thanks for tuning in to Savannah, Georgia, Anything But Ordinary. In this episode, we'll talk about Pirates of Savannah's past with a special on-site conversation at the Pirate's House with infamous pirate Anne Bonney, portrayed by Caroline Roberts. The Port of Savannah has played an important role in the city's economy and culture since its establishment in the 1700s. Parts of the Pirate's House structure even date back as far as 1734. But did you know this historic landmark which is now home to one of Savannah's most iconic eateries, used to be an epicenter of deception and debauchery. Take a listen. Hi, my name is Caroline Roberts. I portray Anne Bonnie here at the Pirate's House, where you can come in and have fun and eat delightful food and take photos with pirates and have a fabulous time. Where did you get the outfit, first of all? Well, for the last 10 years, I've been here at the Pirate's House, and for the last 20 years, I've been making my own costumes for Halloween. So I pretty much just go to Goodwill and Salvation Army and find old clothing, and then I go to the craft store and find adornments that make them look like period clothing from the 1700s. And then uh, I can't sew, but I'm kind of a wizard with a glue gun, so (laughs) the end result is what you listeners can't obviously see right now but if you come down to the pirate's house you totally will amazing she has on a red bandana and a three-point hat and kind of like a corset thing and a scarf and a really elaborate skull what's your story how did you end up here so you said you've been here for 10 years well i got my theater degree i'm back from armstrong in 2008 and then i said well what on earth am i going to do with a theater degree Uh, (laughs) except go become a starving artist in new york which i had no desire to do my entire family lives in savannah I wanted to stay here and I found this really cool tourism job and uh, kind of fell in love with it. And here we are still. Can you walk us through a little bit of the history, just the overview of what is the significance of the Pirate's House here in Savannah? This place is absolutely amazing. Uh, Herbert Traub founded this restaurant back in the 1950s, having taken it over from uh, the people who ran the gas company here in Savannah, Mr. and Mrs. Hillier restored the property at Mrs. Hillier's request. Uh, Mr. Hillier was going to burn all the buildings down and build something new here, but um, Herb took it over, gave it the cool pirate theme, and kind of ran with it. And the locals uh, still eat here today. The food was the primary thing, and all the tourist stuff came after the fact. So... uh, Amazing. It's just kind of been a big deal. There are two major buildings that are from the 1700s, one that dates back to 1734. We call that cute little house the Herb House, possibly because of the caretaker of the trustee's garden having lived there uh, back in the 1730s. There were herbs and plant life there. And then, of course, there's our adorable founder. His name was Herbert. Mr. Traub, Herbert Traub, passed away about 11 years ago, but... We are still operating under his original concept here. So that building is believed to be the oldest standing residential home in the state of Georgia. Wow. This is after numerous fires spread through Savannah during the 1800s. So the fact that that building is there, I mean, it's been restored. Mm-hmm. It's been redone. It, it's not entirely original. Like That's kind of a funny word, original. But mm-hmm. um, the fact that it's there at all instead of a, you know, some brand new structure is great. The other building that's kind of the main focal point where the origin of the pirate theme, where that came from, 
Uh, we call that building the Wayfarers Inn and Tavern. It's a little collection of dining rooms today. We have our treasure room, captain's room, pirate's den, a cute little room called the Jolly Roger. And when guests come here, they get to sit in one of these little rooms. It was part of a tavern that was built in 1754. So oh. it's been redone as dining rooms. It's quite the experience. So when people come here to the Pirate's House, they can not only get an amazing meal, but there's also a special recipe on the menu. We have on our menu the Chatham Artillery Punch, which is really delightful. It's a bunch of different kinds of alcohol and some fruit juices, some uh, some tea, and they top that off with a little bit of champagne, and you can actually get it in our signature brandy snifter, and it's really a tasty beverage. It's one of those sweet things you drink and you're like, oh, this is so nice. And just like the Skull Crusher, it kind of <laughs> knocks you off your feet a little bit. Um, it's something that we and a lot of other restaurants offer. I don't know if the restaurant has a different take on it from other places, uh, but we have that on our little placemat. So you can actually read exactly what you're getting. Uh, we make it in one big batch and then we... You know, distributed in smaller batches so and the champagne goes on at the very end so we don't lose any of the bubbles nice good one and it goes nicely with pretty much everything we have on our menu which is really delicious but being as we are the traveler's town that we are you are offered to take with you a to-go beverage as long as as it's in a plastic cup 16 ounces or smaller and one drink to each guest of course but that's Part of the perk of coming to Savannah, you can go hang out downtown, walk around River Street, get a drink in the bar, not have to chug it all down before you go to the next one. You can simply walk with your beverage, which the smartest idea ever around here, as long as you're responsible about it and, you know, you don't drive after all of that. But we make it easy for you to not drive. We're only 2.2 square miles. You could hoof it through all of the our beautiful squares and have a great time. Yeah, it's really, it's a, the to-go cup is is a way of life in Savannah, that's for sure. It gets me in trouble when I go traveling because I'm like, oh, I'm going to, oh, wait, I'm not at home. I'm going to have to finish this beverage. As long as you don't have glass, you just do not want that in a glass container because yeah. you will get in trouble. And yeah. We don't want that to happen to our nice guests. We're best known, as we said before, uh, for our pecan fried chicken which is, of course, half a chicken with a honey pecan glaze and real pecans on top, which pretty much is ruined chicken for me everywhere else because it's just so <laughs> good. You know, Our shrimp and grits is like that, too. We had our shrimp and grits on the menu for dinner for years. People would come in, they would order it, and they'd come back for lunch, and they wouldn't find it anywhere, and they'd get upset with us. So uh, we listened. We now have our shrimp and grits available on our lunch and dinner menu. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of other great things, too. We have our lunch buffet from 11 to 3 every day, except on special holidays. We have fried chicken, baked chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, greens, green beans, Savannah red rice, macaroni and cheese, um, fried okra. We have a really good squash casserole. People come in, the locals, especially on Sunday, come in. You can tell who they are because they've just come in from church and they are dressed to the nines. And, uh Yeah. That's awesome. I love that this place is both local and visitor trafficked so often. I think that's kind of part of our longevity here. I mean, a lot of places that are touristy, they say, hey, something cool happened here. Come on in and check it out. Oh, we're going to have a lot of traffic through here. We should offer food as an afterthought and it's up par. But Mr. Traub opened this as a restaurant and 
everybody involved was all about the food. So the locals still eat here, which is kind of a beautiful thing because you don't see that in a lot of tourist places. You yeah. know, oh, it's a tourist trap, stay out. That's an ugly word. And I don't feel like it describes us at all. We're a tourist destination and locals still come in. You would not believe how many people come in. And, and locals come in when they're out-of-town guests coming. Oh, we came here when we were kids and now we're bringing our kids and so on and so forth. And the grandkids, it's great. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it has that. Uh, longevity is a great word to, to use to describe it clearly with the history here and everything else. It's, it's going strong. <laughs> After you're done having an amazing meal and one, two, or 10 Chatham Artillery punches, uh, we there's also a gift shop here. There is. We have just up the spiral staircase when you first walk into our building. Cute little gift shop. We have all kinds of great things. We have t-shirts. We have mugs. We have jewelry. We have little cute things for kids, costumes, and little treasure boxes with coins in them. Um, You can get customized. Well, I don't know if it's customized, but they have a few things with people's names on them. So you go, oh, do you see my name on here? Um, there's a lot of really cute stuff up there. That's awesome. I love that. It's just really a one-stop shop here. You can come and have a great meal, have a great drink, entertainment, history, grab a souvenir to take home, and you can just keep coming back year after year and, and get the same level of service and experience and, and probably learn something new every time. Tell us a little bit about the background of the Pirate's House in Treasure Island. Now, that's a really intriguing thing because we are actually in the text of the book. Plenty of people allege that Robert Louis Stevenson visited Savannah, wrote a portion of the book in that building, visited the tavern, you know, kind of used it as a little bit of a muse. And in the book, he was supposed to have based the character Captain Flint on an actual pirate who had passed away upstairs in the old Wayfarer's Inn upstairs there. Um... Whether anybody can prove he came here or not, it's neither here nor there because it's really in the book. The first chapter, it says Captain Flint left behind the treasure map when he died in Savannah. Direct quote. Amazing. And uh, everybody kind of went, oh, that's so cool. He came here and visited this building and all that. At the very least, Stevenson had to have correspondence with somebody here because the building he's referring to in the book as the Admiral Benbow Inn, we believe that to be the building that is now part of our restaurant. So we're at the Pirate's House. We have to talk about pirate life. Can you tell us what it was like back then? What would Captain Flint have gone through a typical day in his life? This little tavern that we have that's part of our restaurant was kind of the main meeting spot for pirates. It was where they all came up right there from the river. They would come in, drink their rum, have their fun, talk about who they're going to rob next, I suppose. (laughs) And they could spend the night upstairs in the inn. I get the impression that locals would have walked past that building and said, I am not going in there. You know, it's interesting because... Stevenson is one of the people who helped to popularize the romanticized view of pirates we know and love today. So people wouldn't have been like, dude, there's where the pirates hang out. That's awesome. Let's go in there. They would have been like, don't go in that building unless you want to get robbed. Right. So, um, yeah, they were some rough people. Yeah. You, know, you had a lot of sailors coming in there, hanging around, some pirates, some privateers. They're not all exactly like they were in the books and the movies and everything. Yeah, that's interesting that you touch on romanticizing the pirate culture a little bit. Because certainly here in Savannah, you know, with the Pirate's House, it's a lovely place to come and dine or have special events and things like that. And we have the Pirate Festival every October on Tybee. The 
Pirate Fest that they have on Tybee Island in October. Typically starts with a parade in the earlier part of the day, I believe. They have a big parade. It's very family friendly and fun. And everybody dresses up. I was actually in the parade one year. Uh, my first year here, actually. But it's a cute little parade and there's lots of kids. And then as the day moves on, they have bands, they have live music. They have a, I guess what they call the thieves market, which is a bunch of different vendors coming in and selling really cool stuff. But it gets a little wilder in the evening, I would say, or come early with kids uh, later if you want to get wild with the <laughs> the pirates, because they do a lot of drinking. We talk about the word Shanghai a lot. Can you tell us where that word comes from? Absolutely. It's very similar to being press ganged, impressment. Um, it's the British Royal Navy. A lot of people think it was the pirates doing this. The pirates were probably sitting in there looking at these poor guys, laughing their rears off. <laughs> Look at that guy. He's totally wasted. Yeah, they would uh, come in, select them in they wanted. These ships masters would. Uh, find the young sailors who were just hanging out in the tavern drinking. And if they offered them a job and they didn't want it and they couldn't get enough people to work for them, they simply offered them free drinks. Sometimes they just kept buying them alcohol until they passed out. Sometimes they laced their beverages with opium or laudanum or you know something that would be bringing that effect along quicker. Poor fellows would pass out and be taken through the tunnel that begins in the rum cellar of our house underneath that old tavern. They'd drag them through out to the river, throw them on the ships, and by the time they woke up, they knew the true meaning of three sheets to the wind. Wow. Wake up, look up, three sails. Oh, wait, how did I get on this ship all of a sudden? Well, I don't remember. And uh, that was how they gained their new crewmates. I never knew, never put it together, that that is where three sheets to the wind came yeah. from. And uh, to get Shanghai, the policeman that went in to investigate this tavern, he ended up waking up aboard a four-mast schooner that was going to Shanghai, which may be the origin of the term there, too. I know that this kind of activity took place over on the West Coast, Oregon, places like that. You see a lot of photographs online and around, and a lot of those tunnels and things look very similar to what we have underneath our building here. Now, as it goes today... That tunnel has been sealed completely off to the public. Hmm. Now, there is a ghost tour locally here that goes into the rum cellar, but that's a third-party kind of event. We don't actually come into the restaurant and have dinner and, hey, let's just wander down to the rum cellar. Apparently, that used to be the case many decades prior before a lot of safety issues came about. And they said, you know what? We like our guests and we like them to visit us more than once. So let's not <laughs> offer access to such things. But uh, back in the 1700s, that would have been wide open. Right. And there's a whole, uh, we should probably mention that there's a whole mess of tunnels underneath Savannah that a lot of people don't know about. But there are catacombs under the city. They are all closed to the public. So you cannot access them or enter them. But they do exist. They do. Yeah. They were used for all kinds of things. Um, hiding the bodies of the yellow fever during the 1820s, hiding contraband, hiding alcohol during prohibition. There is actually a mysterious tunnel that is within the pirate's house. People can look down into this thing and just kind of gawk at it. And it was discovered back in the 1960s during some of the renovation they were doing to expand parts of the restaurant. And uh, we don't actually have a true origin for that tunnel. Nobody found any documentation. We're thinking it might have gotten lost in one of the numerous fires that was here. Uh, a lot of people think that it would 
have either been connected with the herb house because it goes under there. Other people think it might have been for some of those other purposes I mentioned. Can you tell us a little bit more about Anne and her her story? Oh, my goodness. Anne Bonnie was one of the great female pirates, one of the rarities of the 1700s. She lived in the time period known as the Golden Age of Piracy, which, intriguingly enough, ended right before Georgia became the last of the original 13 colonies. So this is why when people ask me, what famous pirates visited Savannah? I say, well... Maybe that's not the right question. What famous author made you what you are today would be Robert Louis Stevenson. But Anne Bonnie was in a slightly earlier time period. She sailed with Calico Jack and with Mary Reed, and they were captured in 1720. Short careers these pirates had. Blackbeard himself, he only had a two-year-long career. And when people say, oh, name a famous pirate, he's the one that everyone mentions. But Anne Bonnie was originally born in County Cork, Ireland, sometime around 1700. Um, her father, William Cormick, had brought them over from Ireland to Charleston, where she grew up. And she ended up kind of being a little spitfire. She ran off, got married to a man named James Bonnie against her father's wishes. Apparently the father did not approve of this union. Uh, she uh, got cut off from the money, get, didn't get the dowry. She allegedly set fire to her father's plantation in Charleston before running off on her honeymoon with her new beau, James Bonney, uh, only to have him confess to her that he was not really who he said he was. He was actually just kind of a little stool pigeon for the governor, picking off pirates, coming after them, you know, spying on them. She's a little tattletale. That's kind of how she saw it. So she realized she married the wrong guy and uh, tried to get out of there. Now, back then, during the 17-teens, this would have happened. Mm -hmm. That would have been, you know, women couldn't just, I want to go get a divorce. Thank you. Uh, they were almost property, basically. So she ran away. She met Calico Jack. He invited her on the ship. I think he even tried to pay James Bonnie off to divorce her. But uh, she's like, what am I, cattle? No. So they ran off to the high seas, had a couple of few years out there enjoying their, themselves. And then they got captured, locked away in Jamaica. Everybody got sentenced to hang. Now, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed were both with child when they were captured. So they immediately pled their bellies. Oh, don't hang us. Don't hang us. Right. So they got a little stay of execution. All of the men in the crew got hanged. Now, Anne Bonnie is known for a famous quote. It would have been the last thing that she said to Calico Jack right before his hanging. You see, in this awful battle, this final battle that they had, the men weren't doing their jobs. They were so inebriated. They were in the holds of the ship drinking rum and... Nobody ever really came out to defend the ship except the two women, literally outmanned, you might say. So the women pretty much were getting it handed to them. They got captured. Everybody locked up in Jamaica. Now she's standing before her beau here who's about to get hanged, and she just looks him square in the eye, and she says, Jack, if you had fought like a man, you wouldn't now be getting hanged like a dog. Wow. Kind of deadpan, you know, straight face, like... Well, you're getting hanged, buddy. It's your fault. See you later. That's pretty vicious. Yeah. But also yeah. kind of awesome. Well, she was one of those ruthless types. You had to be if you were going to be a pirate and be a female pirate. Back then, it was completely, it was like watching a dog ride a bike to see two women on the same ship fighting as pirates. So, you know, 
back then, hey, women can't be pirates. And Bonnie and Mary Reed were over here like, hold my rum and watch this. That's amazing. Real pioneer women. That's awesome. So then they weren't they weren't hanged. They did they live? What happened with their children? All I've that. heard a couple of different renditions of this story, which makes me think that a lot of it may be word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I think Mary Reed actually did have her child and she either died of something like yellow fever or she did get hanged. And Bonnie, from what I hear, somehow her paperwork got lost or destroyed. So we're not entirely sure if she was hanged, if her father intervened and got her out of there. Maybe her father intervened in a different fashion. Maybe she was hanged and he said, oh, this is kind of bad press. Can we uh, can we make this go away? Just burn the documents. Here's some money. I don't know. So uh, it's one of those mysteries. That's an interesting theory. So Of course, I don't claim to be a true historian. but Yeah, but they're... There could be then descendants of those women out there. Yeah, maybe it's me. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> oh, trace your, trace your, take one of those. Uh, yeah, you never know. Heritage chests and find out. That's so crazy. That would be crazy to think about if you were portraying a character and then found out that you were actually related to them. When I first came along back in two thousand nine, uh, I didn't know much about pirates at all. I was kind of fresh out of college and. I'd worked one job and I was like, okay, um, I don't know what I want to do next. So I came here and I had researched Anne Bonnie because somebody said, oh, I know a good female pirate you could portray for your new job. And uh, I looked her up and it was basically me, red hair, long curly, you know, Irish descent, uh, actually direct. She was directly from Ireland, but I am of Irish descent. So I said, you know what? This is dead on. I don't have to put on much except the actual clothes, the hair I have naturally. So... There you go. It's kind of a shoe in from the part. Intriguingly enough, during that same week, they were painting a mural in the Anne Bonny room, which is one of our awesome dining rooms at the Pirate's House. And the mural, while in the face, it doesn't look like me. Same hair. You mean so you can't? You, they basically no painted me on the wall. It was a complete coincidence. Yeah. The artist, Heather Young, did a wonderful job. She was a SCAD graduate. So. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think you can be an Irish pirate and not have red hair. I feel yeah. like that's, that's got to be part of the job description. I get the, is that a wig? Nope. <laughs> I get that a lot too for my hair. So <laughs> no, it's real. It's <laughs> that's real. funny. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about some of the tours that come through so guests can schedule outside tours and things like that to come through and, and see the property after hours and things like that. What else can people expect whenever they come here? So kind of walk us through a typical experience whenever you come to the Pirate's House. Well, we don't actually have any tours that come through our restaurant after hours. Okay. They come in the evening after it's gotten dark, but our restaurant on the weekends, uh, Friday and Saturday, closes at 10 p.m. And all the other nights closes at 9.30. So there's plenty of time while it's still dark to come in and check these things out. Um there's all kinds of stuff going on around here. We have great tours that come around. Not everyone comes into the Pirate's House either. I'm sure Old Town Trolley has some things that touches that, that touch upon what we do here. Uh, there's a hearse tour that comes by. I jokingly say when I see those pass, uh, those people were just dying to go on a tour, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, a little dark humor for you. <laughs> so whenever diners come here, though, I mean, it's really like, I think what makes it so unique here is it's a really a full immersive 
experience. So oh, it you absolutely have, is. Have um, you know people in costume and storytellers and things like that. It really is. It's like dinner and a show almost. It is just about yes. Our guests come in, especially around those times where you had mentioned before. Uh, we have international talk like a pirate day, September nineteenth. We have our pirate fest weekend that's at Tybee Island. That's typically the first weekend in. October. We had we have all kinds of guests who come in in full pirate garb. Some of them show me up because they have gone out of their way, and uh, they come in, they eat, they they interact. They'll actually come in and they'll give kids the coins and stuff like that. And uh, I think some guests come here around that time of year and think that's what we're like all year round. But typically, no. <laughs> From time to time. Aside from those, we get people come in dressed like that. But usually it's just myself and my associates who portray the pirates who walk around. You come in. Sometimes you see us in the lobby. We'll greet you. Uh, we'll come around to the tables, take photographs with children. We're very family-oriented as a restaurant. Um, so, yeah, kids get to come in, get their picture taken with the pirate. We do a little uh, kind of a brief tour that we do. It's very casual what we do. It's just for people who are just asking plenty of plenty of questions. And uh, the wait staff will refer to them to us to get a little walk through the restaurant, a little backstory of the history and bring along a nice beverage, maybe. That's cool. Yeah, I think the name is a little misleading, like the Pirate's House. You think it's, it's I don't know, for some reason a house is small, but this space is really big. It's so much more than just pirate history that we have in mm -hmm. those buildings. It's amazing. Uh, I guess the Pirate's House really, kind of an umbrella term or something, if mm -hmm. you will. Uh, most people think it's referring to the tavern, I guess because that's kind of what the origin of the theme, but it's really the whole restaurant got the name the Pirate's House. I'm not sure that they called it that before. I think the tavern was just called the Tavern or the Wayfarers Inn and Tavern. I've heard it might have, been, might have been the actual name of it back in the 1700s. And the herb house was named by the restaurant. It was a gardener's residential home. What's really interesting about this property is it went through a lot. It sat abandoned for numerous decades. They were originally built in the 1700s. I get the impression the tavern closed in the earlier 1800s and sat abandoned for a very long time. We had the yellow fever spread through Savannah. We had you know, Prohibition, the Great Depression, all kinds of things that would have kind of halted progress in that area. So the historic part of our city kind of got abandoned for a good long time. In 1948, the president of the gas company, Hansel Hillier, bought the entire area here, known as the Old Fort Section. So basically the block that we're on where the Pirate's House is today. And he was buying the land, not so much the property, but he and his wife, Mary, went to check it all out. And he was remarking on how he was going to have a huge bonfire. And his wife said, wait a minute, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we restore some of this area? Why can't we just fix up some of these old buildings and do something with it? So it was actually Mary Hillier that kind of, she was one of the pioneers here with that. Because, you know, happy wife, happy life prevailed. He didn't want to make her unhappy. So the two buildings that became the basis for the Pirate's House restaurant were restored by Mr. Hansel Hillier at his wife's request. Wow. So she actually ran a little business out of it before it was turned over to Herbert Traub. He was the one who made it the famous restaurant. So That's so cool. Was she one yeah. of the original seven women? You got it. That were one of the seven founding members okay. of the Historic Society of Savannah. Amazing. So the first house, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with the historic preservation movement in Savannah, it started with the Davenport House. 
uh, in, I think, in 1848, if I'm not mistaken. 1948. The, the Davenport House was officially restored, to my knowledge, in 1955. 55, okay. And that they had raised about $25,000 in a very short time to do this. Those women really meant business. And most of them went to their husbands and said, hey, this is for a good cause. We need some money. And... Uh, Thank goodness to all the husbands that listened to the wives and made that happen. Um, yeah. The, so these women just banded together and, and basically started saving home by home these really gorgeous properties in Savannah that had fallen into disrepair. Um, and now we have, I mean, you see all the historic district has been um, very, very heavily gutted to be as beautiful as it is today and to be restored to its original beauty. It's, it's really amazing. I mean, I have seen some photographs that were taken in the 40s and 50s and how it looks today. It's remarkable because they've changed some things, but they didn't appear to change it too drastically. Mm -hmm. There's a lot involved in restoration. And now, since we have all these rules because of the historic society, there's plenty of red tape to go through to change historic buildings. So anything that got changed drastically happened before all of that took place. Right. So it's kind of interesting. People come through and they see some weird odds and ends in this building and they're like, that doesn't look original. I'm like, it's not. We were restored before anyone had any rules down. So we, being part of the pioneers of all of this, we have gotten away with some things because if we were restored before, it was cool. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Savannah, Georgia, Anything But Ordinary. This podcast has been brought to you by Visit Savannah, the official destination marketing organization for Savannah, Georgia and the surrounding area, produced by Tyler Edick and hosted by Shannon Lowry. Make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite listening platform, follow us on social media at Visit Savannah, and learn more at visitsavannah.com.